0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook
1: at Overflow Indy.
0: All right, I wanna I wanna continue with things that we're talking about. And last week, I I ran out of time because we spent a lot of time praying for uh, for Israel um, and doing some testimonies and healing and stuff. And I ran out of time. I wanna I wanna pick back up on what we're going after. And I just really believe that the the things that God has put in my heart for that we're we're talking about right now. I I think it, I think that for. some... People, it can feel uncomfortable. And you know, uncomfortable is not always bad. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, like some people get uncomfortable and they're like, I'm out of here. Or or they get uncomfortable and they're like, I I don't want to hear this, so let me let me not listen now, or whatever. But sometimes the uncomfortable is the things that we need to press into. All right. I like what Stephanie even prayed a while ago. I don't know if you guys have heard that that phrase, but Um, sometimes God offends the mind to reveal the heart. And that's not a bad thing, it's a good thing. He's not trying to offend people, to hurt people's feelings. Sometimes truth just helps you to evaluate if you're believing something that doesn't line up with him, and he reveals the heart so that we can repent, amen? So I want to keep going into this stuff, and I'm going to do this. um, I'm just trying to connect my faith and my spirit to um, God's promises for Overflow Family. Um, we, we, we talk our vision on a regular basis. You know, our vision is to expand God's kingdom on earth and, and by by hosting his presence and becoming a healthy family of powerful revivalists who are expanding the kingdom, right? Or advancing the kingdom. Okay. But we, and we we've talked about these things a lot and people people love it. And but we we focus a lot on presence, we focus a lot on encounters, we focus a lot on heaven on earth. But it's no less important to God for us to focus on healthy family. And we say this and we talk about it and people are like, hey, I I like coming to church because it feels like home or or whatever. And and people love the the warm feelings they get. And that's that's wonderful. But I want to tell you that's only border, that's like that's like that's just entry level. What God wants to build is way beyond that. And But it it requires positioning of heart and commitment of heart to press into things beyond the comfort zone. And so sometimes the Lord is trying to call us higher and to engage with something that's beyond what our norm is. Because how many of you guys know if you stay in your norm, you're never going to see any change happen? It, It actually requires us to push in past where we're staying at. We'll stagnate in that place. We got to press in for more, so we can see God show up more in our in our pressing in. Does that make sense? If you guys can turn your Bibles to First Timothy chapter three, um, I'm going to pick up a verse that we hit last week. I keep going into this a little more. 1 Timothy three fourteen. All right, I want to remind us that the context of this, 1 Timothy is a book, it's a letter written by Paul to his spiritual son, Timothy, who he was raising up, actually, like Paul was the apostle who brought the kingdom to the region that he was in, and but he was raising up his spiritual son so that he could begin um, being, being a kingdom administrator, a, a, a pastor, but a bishop, but, but like an overseer of God's establishment of his church in a region, okay? And by the way, it is about the local church. It's not about the universal church where people think, because I'm saved, I'm part of the universal church. This is literally the community of the people coming together in an in a organized fashion under spiritual covering and, and building kingdom and community koinonia, okay? So in chapter three, um, is, is that's the part where Paul is teaching Timothy how, how the senior leaders or the, the ministry leaders need to be living their lives in order to be empowered in that way. And then the deacons, how they need to be living their lives so they can serve in the way they're serving. And so he's, he's establishing structure and spiritual coverings within the church, all right? And, and then it's the very next verse after he's talking about the deacons that he dives into 14. <clears throat> and this is what I want to focus on. He says, These things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. So it says, says, I'm I'm gonna teach you how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of Christ, all right? And I just want to say that I think that most Christianity in the in the modern time has really focused really well on the concepts of that verse in and how do you conduct yourself in church gatherings? How do you conduct yourself when you show up in a church meeting? How do you conduct yourself when you're part of the flow of the structure of the church or the church gatherings? Does that make sense? And so I think a lot of people, like that's the mentality is, is we're, we're just trying to do church well, but that's not anything close to what Paul is actually talking about. And you guys have been hearing me say this, that word, Greek word oikos. Uh, is the is the word for house on this all right he says um, I want you to learn how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God the oikos of God the oikos is not just the the building it's the family so oikos actually it can mean house but it really means more than that it's the household it's the family okay so I want you guys to say that oikos is the family of God and so God is calling all of us to function as his family. All right, we're not just we're not just supposed to function as Christians coming to church together. Like that that's what's dying off right now. That's what people are bored with right now. When we just see it like we're just trying to learn how to do church well, it's lost its luster. Okay? We 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 can't put together enough programs or put together enough um, light shows or better music or whatever to try to get people liking that thing better. So we have to find out what really is the heartbeat of God in this. It's not the, the man-made structure of church. And how do we do it good? All right? It's the family. everybody said it against, the family of God. And this says, this literally says, conduct yourself in the family of God, the oikos of God, which is the church of the living God, the Ecclesia. So he's literally saying that the church, and he's talking about the local church, the the gathering of community, right? That is God's family. This is God's family. And I I just I want to keep saying that over and over because I wanna I wanna keep kneading the dough with this, if you will. All right, because we need, we need to continue renewing our minds and seeing what God thinks about this stuff. I want you guys just to look around for a moment. I know there are some people missing in this room right now. Look around because this is ecclesia. all right? It's not just that you're coming to attend a service. This is the people of God, all right? This is oikos. Why don't you guys look at somebody and say, you are my oikos, Oikos. <clears throat> I've been I've been giving messages and, and we've talked through so many New Testament scriptures that has that word oikos in it over and over and over. And it's talking about the family of God. It's the family of God, is the oikos. So we we need to move past just thinking about how do we do church well. And we need to start seeing the spirit of this thing, the way Christ is, where we can look at one another and we can look at, at the, the, the corporate thing, the collective of this thing and seeing it from the spirit. You know, when you guys look up here and you see me, see it from the spirit. Like, who am I to you? Uh, the, Lord, the Lord has put me here as a, a, a role that's, that's the flow of heaven to earth, and same with Jessica and the other leaders here, and and it's but but it's not just about the leaders; it's about one another, and it's about us pressing into one another as family should. All right, but we need to see it with spiritual eyes. We need to see it with kingdom eyes, and that's why we're we're just spending time on this ecclesia topic because we, we I believe it. We all need renewing of our minds so that we can be transformed into the very thing that God knows is truth that's a higher truth than what we function from. Okay? You, you, guys, you guys follow me? All right, so it's not just about how to conduct yourself in church meetings. That's, I'm not saying that's not important, but it's not really what it's about. How do you conduct yourself as a member of God's family? Okay? How do you conduct yourself as a member of God's holy family? Okay? And, and if, you, if you ever were, would go to another church, it's the same question there. It's not just an overflow topic. This is a kingdom topic. Who's your family? Are, are you actually perceiving the church that you're a part of as your family? Are, are, you, are you giving your heart to one another as a family should? Ephesians chapter 2, please, verse 19. It's Paul again. That dude really knows what he's talking about when it comes to oikos. All right? Verse 19, he says, Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. And I, I told you guys last week that, that word foreigners in the Greek has the root word oikos in it, but what it actually means is somebody who's not part of the family, okay? Somebody who's not part of the, the household. So you are no longer strangers and someone who's not part of the household, all right? But fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, all right? Members of the household of God. It's the, you're a member of God's oikos, you're a member of his family. Everybody say, I'm part of God's family. God is my father. I am his son or daughter, whichever you need to say. And Whichever it is, it's never going to change. I just want to say that real fast. <laughs> I just slip things in here, here and there like that. You, you are God's beloved child, his lovely child, the, a child that he looks into your heart and, and sees someone who he loves, someone that he begot. You, you've been born again of the Spirit of God, and you are his child, and he loves you so much, and he's pleased with you. You're his child, therefore you're his family. Amen? Come on. And so, but, but you also have to, as, as much as you need to understand who you are as his child, because that is the most liberating thing to ever understand. The more you understand that, the more you need to start understanding that that person sitting in front of you or behind you or beside you is also a child of the Most High God. And if they're his child and you're his child, then y'all are brothers and sisters. And so brothers and sisters have responsibilities of, of love for one another. There's obligations of love. There's, there, you, you don't get to choose whether you should love that person or not. And love looks like something. It's not just a word. It's a It's a virtue. It's a decision, it's a a decision that must renew itself regularly. It's a decision to put yourself into their life and draw them into yours. Come on, amen? Ephesians 3, 14 through 15 says, for this reason I bow my knees to who? To the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven on earth is named. Hallelujah. So he's our father, and he's the father of Jesus Christ? Come on. Did you know that the father thinks of you as his child the same way that he thinks of Jesus as his child? That's pretty amazing. Maybe you guys should do a declaration on that. My father looks at me, and he loves me like he loves Jesus. My father loves me as much as he loves Jesus. Come on. That's amazing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Like he, he literally traded Jesus for you wow, that's a lot of love for you. Take a moment and, and have a personal encounter on that. Like seriously, take a moment and, and just let that truth hit your heart for it. Just, just a moment that the, the Father loves you. Sometimes we can tend to think that uh, the, yeah, I mean, when you think about the collection of the 10 billion people this earth has ever had or whatever, yeah, it's worth it for, for all of them. No, he's not actually doing it for, the, for all of y'all or all of us. Like, Like, if it wasn't that many, it's not worth it. That's not how it is. It's you personally. You individually. He loves you that much. That's a lot of love. So he's he's the he's a father he's our father and and he's given us his name it says it says from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth is named we we've come into his name literally his household literally his family praise the lord that's amazing but but these scriptures that we keep reading Literally, like they talk about his family and they talk about our sonship and daughtership and and him being our father, but but it it actually attributes the family to the ecclesia, to his church. His church is so important to him. So important to him. It's far beyond what what we perceive the church as. It's not just coming together and doing our time on Sundays and going through the flows. It, like this is, this is a family reunion every time. Come on. I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will unlock the deeper places of your spirit right now to be able to see, to be able to perceive at a heart level one another and, and Overflow Church, or if you're visiting and you go to another church, your church, wherever. But but the, the church is his family, and guess what? The Lord wants you to believe the church is your family. The church is your family. Come on. It's true. <clears throat> and pe- And every single person has a different experience with their own personal family dynamics. I'm talking about earthly family now. Mm-hmm. Earthly family dynamics are unique. There's, there's, there's as many dynamics as there are people. And some have incredible family experiences. Some have absolute disaster family experiences. And most people, it kind of flows somewhere in the middle of those two spect- parts of the spectrum. All right? And I want to tell you, like, God loves your families. And I believe, and I believe this for our family too. I believe for every family that God wants to bring revival to each family and and improve it and heal it and make it look more like God in the home. I believe that. I believe for that. But I, I want to just say that whatever your family experience is or has been, whether you are still a young one living in your parents' home or you've moved out and you, some of you have your own families and kids or maybe, maybe you're way beyond that or wherever you're at on the spectrum, you've had some family experience some way, good or bad. And I just want to say that whatever your family experience was, is not equivalent to who God is, and what His family is supposed to be. Good or bad, it's 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 lacking and it's deficient of the wholeness of everything that God has for His family. Some way or another, it's missing something. What my point is, you can't, you cannot um, confine your concept of what God's family is supposed to be by what your natural historical experience has been in your family. Because that's not it. (laughs) You guys hearing me? In in the summer of 2014, um, I'm not going to go into my whole story, but I want to hit a couple of points on it. I've shared this before more in depth. But um, the, the summer started off with me going to the doctor to get a a physical exam and I left the doctor's office with a with a diagnosis of moderate depression and I couldn't believe it because how can a spirit-filled person have depression and and you know we have the Holy Ghost and the fruits of the spirit are love and joy and peace as the starters right and so like how can you have that and and think that you you could also have depression and and so I, I kind of stewed on that for a few days and kind of got depressed with the diagnosis. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit came to me and and he said, Jesse, it's actually a good thing that you receive the diagnosis, not because it's good that you have that, but because the, Lord, the, the only way you can actually get breakthrough is to know what you're getting a breakthrough from and then find my pathway forward in it, all right? And so I, I started um, getting some counseling from one of the pastors at Bethel, and his, he was incredible. And it wasn't just sitting there and getting counseling and stuff. It, he actually took me into encounters, and the Holy Spirit came and, and encountered me and started revealing things, and it was prophetically led and everything, and it was just amazing. <clears throat> but one of the things on the first session that the Lord revealed that was so key to my breakthrough was that I, I, I realized in that moment that of the Trinity, I've always had an amazing relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, but it was deficient of a connection with the Father part. And, and, and in my mind, I, I, don't, I think subconsciously, I was good with that because I just thought that's how it is. Like, I mean, I could encounter Holy Spirit and get drunk anytime I wanted to. And I, I had encounters with Jesus and revelations of, of, of just having a union with him and like him manifesting himself through my life and incredible. And I've seen miracles and wonderful things. But, but I started realizing that in that session that I had a very disconnected relationship with the Father, and I, I think that I, I just felt like he was kind of the, the part of the Trinity that was elevated um, to an unreachable place until he chooses to be reachable. <clears throat> I, I thought that he was too holy to bring me close to him. I thought that by, that, um, by his mercy, I would have an occasional interaction with him. And, and I did sometimes, and they're amazing, like really awesome but there are far and few between where I could hang out with Jesus and Holy Spirit any time. Does that make sense? I thought he was He had two important things to focus on than me, <laughs> like the matters of the world or whatever. Um, so so that was kind of that was kind of my experience, but in that in that session, the Lord just started revealing to me that my lens of how I perceived the Father actually, came from my experiences that I had growing up with my earthly father. And and the thing is until the Lord um, can heal and restore and recorrect our perceptions on things, it's very common and probably almost always our our views of God are going to be fashioned by our life experiences until the Lord gives us encounters of of new revelation. All right? And so um I don't know why Siri is trying to pop up on my iPad. Siri, this is not the time or place. And now she popped up on my phone because I just said her name. Go away, Siri. She went away, awesome. I, that was amazing, yes. All right, so anyway, um, my, my growing up with my dad, like I, my memories with him um, I, I, had, I have amazing memories of times with my dad and like, like great memories, good you know, vacation times or hilarious experiences at home or whatever. And so I'm thankful for those. But at the same time, um, the, the huge, awesome memories with him, they're more like far and few between. They're, they weren't like plenteous and, and daily. And so uh, the thing was with my dad, like he was always there but he wasn't always engaged. And so like he would come home from work and then he'd go lay on the couch, flip on the TV, and then he's just zoned out for the rest of the day. And so, or or he's doing other things. And I always felt like, well, I don't want to disturb my dad because he, he doesn't have time for me right now. Does that make sense? And so I often felt unworthy of my dad's time and attention. And I, I just I could go a lot deeper on that. I don't I don't have time for that now. But but the Lord was just revealing to me that um, I my experiences with my dad they were positive and not so positive. They actually um, he that they were used to fashion my lens of what a father looks like. And so as I have this relationship with God, I just have this preconceived idea subconsciously well this is what a father looks like he's good we have great experiences but they're rare it's very special when they finally happen but i can hang out with the other ones regularly and 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 get you know get a relationship with holy spirit and jesus but but the father when they're reserved for special moments and if i'm holy enough (laughs) does that make sense and and so it just it created this this type of a subconscious belief system that I had, and that's and and the Lord revealed that's where my depression was coming from was a deficiency of a connection with Father, and so the Lord started encountering me, and He came to me in that session and He said, Jesse, you have a good dad. He 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 helped me to know that like I I do know that my dad is a good man. He was. He's in heaven now. All right, and, and so there was never anything um, that was the, to put my dad down. But God came and he said, Jesse, I am not your earthly father and you, you've you boxed me in th- to be like him. And that's not even who I am. Your dad can't define me. I am much greater than him. I, I there, There's things about me you don't know because you've only seen it the way your dad's been it. I wanna reveal who I am to you. I wanna show you how much greater I am. And I started realizing in that encounter that the father actually wanted to be with me all the time. And he wanted to love on me and he never once held it over my head that I wasn't worthy to be close to him. He made me worthy to be close to him through Jesus Christ. And he did that because he wants me to be close to him. And so like the Lord, the Father just started showing up to me in encounters. That whole summer became a Father Encounter Summer. And I mean, there was even one time when I saw a vision when the Lord was coming to me and I saw Jesus and the Holy Spirit and a whole bunch of angels too. They weren't the main focus. It was just holy. There's Jesus and Holy Spirit right there. And then the Father came from behind them and he put his hand on their shoulders and he said, let me have this time now. And they, put, they stepped aside and he stepped through and then gave me a father encounter. And, I, and he started showing me that I'm his dearly beloved son. And it's not this hierarchical, I'm, I'm so far removed from the superior one that I don't deserve to be with him, but we still get, lift his name up, right? Like that, that would be true, that we should have that posture, but that's not even how he does it. He's like, no, let's get rid of all that and let me come and be with you, with my boy. I want to be with my boy. Come on, he wants to be with you. And the Lord is trying to redefine our concepts of what he looks like as a father and what we look like as a family. He's trying to recreate new lenses for us. He we, we wants to break the lenses that were created by fallen humanity and help us to see things more like he sees it because his way is so much better than ours. Amen? Yeah. Uh, and I also was learning, my parents, and, and I'd say probably the most of yours, if not all of yours, they, they tried their best from a real love. And, and, and so it was genuine love, but, 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 but there's still humans and humans fail. And unfortunately, sometimes when the fail moments happen, those moments create a hardship for the child that, um, that if the child doesn't get healing from it, it can actually create distortions to lenses from our experiences and the ways that we see things. And so the Lord had to do some healing in me. And to show me areas where um, I picked up false beliefs about me and about parents or even about God um, through experiences I had through my life so that he could heal it and then he could show me, well, this is really where I was at. This is really what love looked like. So he could refashion my perspective on these things. I'm not going to lie. I'm sure there's plenty more of that that he needs to do in me. I'm sure of that. And And I... I welcome it, and I want it. And I hope you do too, because you need it too. If you're not in heaven yet, and you're walking in this fallen world, there's something that the Lord wants to enhance your understanding of how good he is to you. All of us, all right? And so we all need to understand who the Father really is, and, and, you know, we need to understand that our natural families, um, sorry, that no natural family will fully display God accurately. No natural family will fully display God's family accurately. And so we've got to find what God's saying, what God's doing, all right? So we need, we need to see through God's lenses about who he is. We need, we need God's lens for who am I? Identity revelation, God's lens for who his church is, who his family is. We need upgrades in how we see these things, and it's so crucial. The more that we understand who the father is and and that we are his children, the less like orphans we will act and believe And sometimes we we talk about the orphan thing, and that topic can be one of those God will offend your mind to reveal the heart. And and if that topic does make people uncomfortable or squirm, there might be something orphan under that that you might need God to help you see. All right? I'm going to be honest. I know that most of my life, I've functioned like an orphan even though I was a son because I didn't understand it. But the more that we understand it, the more we can come into alignment with who God knows that we are and who he is, we start actually acting like sons and daughters and believing like them. Amen? Amen. The more we we do that, the less like orphans. The less we have that, the more like orphans. (laughs) How many of you guys know that Jesus came to this earth to die on the cross so that he could make a whole bunch of orphans be no not orphans any longer. <laughs> Come on. And that's the work that the father is trying to do in his in his church. So don't compare God's family to yours, okay? To your earthly family. He's not he's not to be measured by our, the standard of our families. I, I want to declare this again that God is so good in every way. Okay? in every way. He's a good father. And Jesus even said, like, if you, you guys, um, he said, he said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, <laughs> he's like calling them evil. It's like, but, but they were good people. But in comparison to his father, we're evil compared, right? But he said, how much more will your father in heaven Give good things to those who will ask. And so the Lord is just so amazing. He's so good. And he cannot be compared to us in the earthly realm fathering because he's trying to heal that to help it become more healthy like he is. All right? And he's perfect in forming his family. And I know that churches are not perfect. I know the overflow church is not perfect. Boy, do I know that. Jessica's surprised I said that. How could you dare say this church is not perfect? It's not perfect, and you know that, every single one of you, all right? But, but guess what? I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so he's perfecting things, which means things are not perfect which means there's flaws, that things are not right, that he's doing a work, so he's making it more and more and more perfect. It will be perfect in that day. Come on. So he's, he's, he's trying to do an improving work. He's trying to do a revitalization work. Trying to do a restoring work of what sonship and daughtership and fatherhood looks like. Amen? So if God's our dad and we're his children, then we're his family. But if, if we're his family, then that means we're each other's family too, okay? We need, to, we need to remember this. That's what church is, and God's family dynamics and culture are superior to ours, okay? Our natural family dynamics and cultures tend to be dysfunctional at some level by nature, All right, we, as I've been saying, we are all spiritual orphans until we become sons and daughters and discover it more and more. All right, so when we, when we're functioning from the places that haven't been healed and made whole yet, guess what? Dysfunction happens. How are we doing right now? Yeah? Good. Good. We're learning how to conduct ourselves as the oikos of God. (laughs) That's what the Bible said. All right? It's a progressive journey of coming fully into sonship, daughtership. All right? People can only reproduce who they are. Yeah. It's good. But if we're function as orphans, orphans, Reproduce orphans. But when people know who they are as sons and daughters of God, you reproduce sons and daughters. The Lord's trying to do healing. He's trying to make us whole. Trying to, trying to heal us from old wounds. Trying to heal us from, from lower level mindsets of who we are. And who our family is. The more that we come into that reality, or that, that understanding, the more we, we, we renew our minds, we become transformed into these things, and we start functioning like it. We behave according to who we believe we are. <laughs> so churches can be dysfunctional. It's not God's fault. It's because there's people who are still functioning out of dysfunction, okay? And, and the Lord's trying to heal. He's trying to mature. He's trying to make things better. He's trying to perfect his church until the day of Jesus Christ, all right? So we're learning to be sons and daughters, but we're still working this out. And, and so that means that, uh, that we, we still might be coming out of some forms of orphan thinking, and, and so we are all underdeveloped in some ways or others, and that just means we need to continue maturing in the Lord. So whatever things that we see about the church that's like, man, that can't be Jesus, that's not the church. No, it it's actually is the church, it's the family, but it's, it's children who are learning how to become God's kids better. Yeah. Okay? And, and we're, we're going to keep learning it, and we're going to keep getting better and better we're going to keep becoming more mature. And so the dysfunction hopefully will decrease as we grow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Dysfunction happens for a few reasons. Okay? And this is in, the, in your personal families. It's in the church. It's in the world, right? The dysfunction comes as a byproduct of these things. Sin Dysfunction is a byproduct of the fallenness of humanity. Dysfunction happens as a byproduct of the ignorance of the truth of the kingdom. And I want to just take a second and speak on those. Um, The ignorance of truth is when people function from false belief systems. And And it often happens when people have false or unrealistic expectations in other people. I want to say that again, because I want you to hear it. People get dysfunctional when they have false or unrealistic expectations in other people. It's like, it's like your behavior, it, you, you, I need your behavior to be a certain thing for me to do well with myself. I need you to make me better. That's dysfunctional because you're, you're, you're abiding in the wrong vine. <laughs> Codependent reliance on someone else's behaviors or on external circumstances to make you feel like you're functioning healthy. <laughs> but the fact that you need that thing to happen to make you feel healthy means it's not healthy. How are we doing? We, you guys, do you guys still love me? Yes. Okay. Good. And, and then, and then, dysfunction is a byproduct of spiritual immaturity. Okay, it's spiritual maturity. Dysfunction comes from a deficiency in experiencing and giving love in a healthy way. I want to say that one more time. Dysfunction comes from a deficiency. And experiencing and giving love in a healthy way. <laughs> I'm seeing where I need to land my plane because I am not going to land it where I thought I was going to. We will have communion, though. <clears throat> all right. God wants to heal his church, all right, and restore his church to make it healthy. There's not a lot of healthy church examples for us to look at. There are some. But he's trying to make every single ecclesia healthy. And and there's a work to be done to make that happen. And guess what? It's not going to all just be God making it happen because we have to put our skin in the game of getting healthy. All right? All right. It's not going to just happen by God zapping the church. It's not going to just happen by God zapping everybody else except you. (laughs) It, It will happen by people doing the hard work of healthy relationship. Everybody say that. I need to do the hard work of healthy relationship. All right, so, so the hard work of healthy relationship, the hard work of repentance when it's needed, the hard work of, of humbling the heart and being intentional with self-initiated works of reconciliation. If you guys want to see a healthy church, become ministers of reconciliation. Reconciliation. I mean where you are determining, I need reconciliation, even if I don't feel like it. I'm going to put myself into it and commit myself to the process of reconciling where it's needed. If you don't do it, it just stays dysfunctional. Okay? It's going to come by the hard work of growing spiritually mature and not getting distracted by the messes, but walking each other through the messes to the other side. That's God's kind of family. Amen. To say, I love you enough that we're, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna help see you through the breakthrough you need. I'm gonna help see you through the healing that you need. I need healing, I need you to help see me through my breakthrough. It takes work, it takes, it takes initiative. and Not waiting for everybody else to take the initiative. Amen? So it's not gonna happen by the doings of everybody else. <laughs> You're responsible. I'm responsible. It has to happen by you. It has to happen by me. If we don't do it, it's never going to happen. If, if everyone else works on it but you don't, the church is still going to be dysfunctional because you didn't put yourself into it. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Am I offending your mind? <laughs> Let it reveal the heart if that's the case. But we have to put ourselves into this. We're all responsible to making it become a healthy family and God is depending on us to do this. Jesus literally said that the world is going to know who you are by how you love one another. Like he needs the world to see that but if we don't choose to do that they won't see the thing he needs them to see. We have to do it. So I just wanna I just wanna pray for you guys right now. It, it, it says in Second in Corinthians five sixteen through seventeen, it says we we regard no one according to the flesh. No longer are we gonna regard one another according to the flesh. So we have a tendency of seeing things in the natural and seeing the failures and seeing the things that are deficient and seeing why things aren't great. And, and the, but this is saying we need to stop seeing one another according to the flesh because that's how we used to know Jesus is according to the flesh, but not now. Siri came up again. It's, but Then it, it continues, if, we, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And we have to understand this, that Jesus came to, to not, not just to save us, not just to even change us, but to literally make our old thing die and then give us a brand new living thing in the resurrected Christ of Jesus. And so, he, like, he can't, God can't have us looking at each other in the flesh and functioning from the flesh in his body. He needs us to be choosing to love one another well and to seeing one another as new creations, seeing one another as children of the Most High God, seeing one another as our brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are his family. We're each other's family. He needs us to see it this way. You guys hear in my heart. We are his oikos. Jessica, why don't you come up here with me? We are his oikos. We are his body. And in in 1 Corinthians 11, i I'm not gonna read it, but I want you just to I want you just to hear me out for a moment as we're we're getting ready to close with communion. that Paul is trying to teach them about the order of church and he's talking to them about how we need to be really good at preferring one another above ourselves and then he starts flowing into communion he starts talking about Jesus giving his body and his blood and and it it says that you know it talks about how we we got to partake of this together and, and it says that we need to each person examine ourselves, examine our hearts, and not take communion in an unworthy manner. He said, that, he said that because people take communion in an unworthy manner, which means your heart's not in the right place, that people actually get sick and some even die because we're not examining ourselves. But he literally goes on, he talks about how we have to... Um, we we need to observe the body. How did my Bible get over there? Sorry, I oh, I actually I do need to read one piece on this because I, I I'm going to say it wrong. No, just leave it. I'm good. No, I actually I actually need that. Oh, okay. We're being the body together.
1: I'm not offended at you. Thank you
0: neither I am you. All right, so Jesus, okay, so he says, take and eat. They're, they're passing the communion around. I want you guys to hear my heart on this part, okay? It, it says that Jesus, um, wow, let me start in verse 23. It says, for I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. He literally was taking communion with his brothers, knowing that one of them would betray them, and he still put himself into that guy's heart. He, he, he didn't even hold that against him, he still included him in this intimate experience together, a betrayer, if that doesn't show us something. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, take, eat. Take, he says, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, this too, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. Now, this is actually calling us to to make sure, like, if you have sin, get it right, like right now. Do it, like... Don't miss an opportunity to have this communion, this communal fellowship experience with Jesus and with one another, okay? He says, he says, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, and when he says that, the whole thing, and he says, he says, for this reason many are weak and sick among you and many sleep, it actually means to die, okay? But um, he actually, it says not discerning the Lord's body. It's not just talking about discerning him hanging on the cross, it's talking about his body, the family, because the whole thing is in context of serving one another and preferring one another. He literally wants us to take communion and discern the body, he wants us to discern each other with a pure heart, with a heart that that sees the spiritual of each other. that sees this is my brother, this is my sister, this is God's kids, this this is the oikos, the family. You guys hear me? We're gonna take communion as a family, as a family. I'm asking Holy Spirit right now, Lord, open all of our eyes to be able to see one another from the Spirit, to to truly discern by the Spirit of God, the family, the body, that we do this in unity, not as a church service, as an oikos. Thank you, Lord. Jessica's going to lead us in communion.
1: So, if you can close your eyes and bow your heads. I just want to take time for you guys to just examine yourselves before the Lord and just ask Him Am I discerning myself in the body properly? And if he shows you that you're not, all you have to do is repent, which means change the way you think. It's that easy. And receive the truth of who you are and who each other are and choose to come into that truth. Thank you, God. So yeah, Father, we just choose right now to receive the truth of who we are forgive us for seeing ourselves less than for seeing ourselves as insignificant or feeling like it, it doesn't matter whether we're a part of it or not and we choose to believe the truth that you do call us as members of your body And if you feel like it's prideful to acknowledge your worth, I just invite you to repent from that as well. Sometimes in Christianity, it feels humble to demean ourselves, and I don't feel like the Lord has pleasure in that. So Lord, we just choose to step into the truth of who you say we are, your beloved children who you are pleased with. I should invite you for just take a few moments and just l- enjoy and feel the pleasure of the Lord over you. And if you don't feel it, receive it by faith. Because it's not always about what we feel. In faith, receive his pleasure, his delight. Thank you God. and just take a moment to ask the Lord, is there people in this body or just in your life that you need to just get right with or you need to reconcile with or whatever that would look like, whether it's forgiveness, going and asking for forgiveness for an offense you've done? I'd invite you right now to just make it right before the Lord first and then go to them and make it right. In forgiveness, I just want to encourage you that even if the other person, if there's someone who's hurt you, that you still can choose to forgive them and release them, even if they never come and repent. That you're not held and bound to someone else's decision to ask. That you get to actually choose to forgive them whether they ever in your lifetime ask for it or not. It's letting them off the hook for pain or any harm that they've caused you. Lord, teach us to forgive quickly like children. Teach us how to not hold on. And right now, we choose as a body to forgive those who've sinned against us. We release them. I encourage you just to release your need to feel judgment over them, that you feel like you have a way that they, you think they need to be judged. I encourage you to release that and put it into the Lord's hands. Thank you, God, You're your good Father. And Lord, we pray for those who have har- hurt us or harmed us, Lord, that you would also draw them into repentance. We pray that you would bless them. Lord, we pray that we would be a strong body, God, a strong family that doesn't hold on to offense or hurt or unforgiveness, but we're quick to go after it. Go ahead and take your um, the top off. You'll get your bread out. Thank you, God. So, Lord, we just come to you with clean and pure hearts. If there's anything else you feel like you need us to take before the Lord, go ahead and do that. Lord, thank you that we get to abide in you, regardless of anyone around us or even within ourselves in our own actions, Lord, that you have given us the supernatural ability to stay abiding. And right now, if we've stepped out of that place. Lord, we choose to come back into the abiding vine. Teach us how to remain. Teach us how to abide. Abide means to stay. It's never meant to be a place we leave. Teach us how to stay in you, regardless of what's going on around us in the world or in our families or relationships or friendships. Let us stay in you. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body. So I just invite us right now to take the body of Jesus together. Thank you, Jesus, for your body that you broke for us. Go ahead and take the lid off your juice. It, you then he took the cup and he gave thanks and he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for the many, for the remissions of sins. So thank you, God, for your blood that does forgive us of our sins. I invite you to take it all together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you made the way where there seemed to be no way. That we get to have right standing before the Father and before each other. And I just want to encourage you that forgiveness might feel hard, but when you do it with the supernatural grace of Jesus, it's easy. It's easy. So, Lord, we bless each person here. That we just continue to walk out abiding in you and living in family in Jesus name
0: amen awesome all right guys thank you so much for your time and for pressing into that with us believing believing God's going to show us new just new experiences of what family is going to be looking like it's going to be awesome it's going to be it's going to be spiritual but it's also going to It's going to be interactive, and I'm just believing for greater places on that. We love you guys, and hope you have a great day.